0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace
0: Keener joined by fellow editor Katie Lambert. Hey Candace. Hey there Katie. Today, we're going to talk about the Stonewall Riots, which was the beginning of the gay rights movement. And this was a listener request that has come up several times.
1: And unfortunately, we just missed the anniversary of the riots. So here we are a couple of weeks later, finally touching on this topic that deserves some history class time.
0: And to give some background, I'm going to talk a little bit about homosexuality at the time. The Stonewall Riots occurred in 1969. And then homosexuality was still considered a mental illness. It was in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is what psychiatrists use to figure out what's wrong with you, as a sociopathic disorder. And you could be arrested and put in prison for life for an act of homosexual sex. The FBI was tracking homosexuals and seeing where they went and who their friends were. The post office was keeping track of any sort of homosexual materials that were going through the mail. And it wasn't a good time to be gay. And in New York,
1: where, as we'll learn later, the Stonewall riots actually occurred, there was a criminal statute that said anyone who wasn't wearing at least three articles of gender-appropriate clothing could be taken into police custody, too. Mm -hmm. So whether you were a homosexual or someone who was transgendered, or even someone who was just uh, a transvestite. You still fell into this this grouping of
0: illegal peoples. And because homosexuality was considered a mental illness, therapies like electroshock therapy and lobotomy um, were used to, quote-unquote, cure you. And I had a couple good quotes from people at the time. Um, Bishop Jean Robinson said that life before Stonewall was scary indeed. When I was growing up, homosexual wasn't even a word you said out loud. Anyone who was that way either committed suicide or wound up a drug addict or alcoholic. And Eric Marcus said, it was not uncommon in those days for gay people to attempt suicide. I remember many young people who I met telling me about their attempted suicides. It was not uncommon to see somebody with stitch marks on their wrists. So we're talking about a pretty bleak time to be a part of this subculture. But in Greenwich Village in New York City,
1: there was a mafia bar called the Stonewall Inn where these people felt welcome. It was sort of a haven for them. And not only for them, but people from other states who'd heard about it would make a pilgrimage
0: of sorts to New York to to visit there. And the Stonewall was the place to be. It was this nasty dive bar, but you could dance there. And they didn't have a liquor license because gay bars weren't allowed to have liquor licenses, which is why it was a mafia bar. And gay bars weren't allowed to exist. To even. exist, <laughs> but, uh... much less get a liquor license. Um But it was pretty gross place. They didn't really care about cleanliness. And it was just the kind of place you went if you wanted to dance and go out and hang out with a bunch of other gay people. And during this era, police frequently made raids on
1: bars. But because a gangster had paid off police to leave it alone, uh, Stanwell largely went unbothered for quite some time. And then on I wouldn't really call it an auspicious day because it's sort of strange that it coincided, but not too strange. But on the day of Judy Garland's funeral, interestingly enough, Stonewall
0: was was raided. And it was the second time that week, actually. And this is June 27th in 1969. And again, raids weren't unusual. So it wasn't a huge deal at first. The police walked in and the... Special cool dancing lights were turned off and it was kind of a code once the real lights came on. Hey, everybody stop dancing. Stop touching. Police are in the place. And it was in the early morning hours
1: on June 28th that the police shut it down and took all of the employees into custody because they were operating and serving without a liquor license. And according to that New York statute I mentioned earlier, they also took some transvestites into custody as well.
0: And as the people walked out of the bar, because the 200 people who were there were mostly able to leave, they were walking by and posing, and the crowd would cheer as they came out. And everything at first seemed like just another Friday night raid.
1: But the crowd didn't disperse, and in fact, more and more people came and gathered until they were nearly 400 that night. And they began talking back to the police and the police actually had to call for backup and barricaded themselves inside the bar. And some eyewitnesses' account, which I heard on an NPR story back on June 28th, the anniversary, the 40th anniversary of the Stonewall rights, said that people were chanting things like, uh, police brutality, kill the cops, we're not going to take this anymore. Someone threw a Molotov cocktail, someone else tore up a parking meter and actually used it to try to beat down the police barricade. So... In the past, there had been rather passive reactions to these police raids, but something about this night, and I'm not sure people have put a, a finger on precisely what it was, but um, as Alan Ratner, uh, an openly gay journalist, says, it was sort of like that moment in the civil rights movement where Rosa Parks said that she sat down because her feet hurt. She said that this night, people decided that they didn't want to be pacifists anymore. They wanted to take an active stand
0: for who they were. People started off just throwing things like pennies, and then it escalated to bricks, bottles, garbage, and like you said, a parking meter, and they started setting fires. And the tactical police force came in, and that's when things got even uglier because they brought out the billy clubs and there are people lying on the ground bruised and beaten and bloody. And so eventually the crowd did disperse that night.
1: But perhaps to the police surprise, They came back the following night and for several nights thereafter. And so we had a a series of riots that were protesting how coarsely the police treated the patrons of Stonewall.
0: And Saturday was more people came to the bar and they put signs all over it about gay power and gay pride and... Again, they weren't going to take this anymore. That was the end. And one of the signs said, Inspector Smith looted our money jukebox, cigarette machine, telephones, safe, cash register, and the boys' tips. And the tactical police force was called in on Saturday as well. And there were crowds all over the streets, which they were breaking up, even though a lot of them had nothing to do with the Stonewall riots whatsoever. And in general, acting a little bit aggressive toward the crowds. And Sunday, it was still going on. And Allen Ginsberg was hanging around and said, gay power isn't that great. We're one of the largest minorities in the country. 10%, you know. It's about time we did something to assert ourselves and was walking down the street saying, defend the fairies. And they were also chanting, we are the Stonewall girls. We wear our hair in curls. We wear no underwear. We show our pubic hair. We wear our dungarees above our Nelly knees. And I apologize for the coarseness, but I did not make it up. But what was so
1: significant about the Stonewall riots was that it was what most people point at as the, the catalyst for the gay rights movement. And like Katie had said, the word homosexual wasn't even used in the language. But after Stonewall, the Gay Liberation Front was formed, and it was actually the first organization to include the word gay in its title, which was a huge deal to openly identify yourself as being gay. And then a newspaper named Gay was also launched. And a year after Stonewall, which would have been June 28th, 1970, there were gay rise parades in Los Angeles,
0: Chicago, San Francisco, and in New York. And today, of course, every June in several cities around the world, there are other gay pride marches. But what is
1: perhaps the most important lesson to be learned about the inception of the gay rights movement and how Stonewall kicked that off is that a lot of the people who participated in the riots were homeless adolescents. And you can't underestimate the damaging effect being a homosexual in that time had on people uh, like Katie was saying, it was classified as a mental illness. And so a lot of people who were gay turned to prostitution. They took drugs. They were unemployed because many places wouldn't allow homosexuals to be employed. They weren't accepted anywhere
0: they could outright fire you if you admitted that you were homosexual. Exactly.
1: And a man who's called one of the founding fathers of the gay rights movement, Dr. Frank Kameny actually was fired from his job. He was employed by the government. He had his PhD in astronomy from Harvard and he was a member of the U.S. Map Service, part of the U.S. Civil Service Commission. And you couldn't be a federal employee if you were gay. And this was back in 1957 that he was fired and he knew, and he was one of the first people to openly speak out against this kind of mistreatment. He knew that it was wrong. And he actually went so far as to file a petition with the Supreme court. And this is a direct quote from him. He says, to my knowledge, it was the first gay rights legal brief filed. And that was in January, 1961. And in March, 1961, the Supreme court denied that petition, but reflecting on the opportunities denied him because of his homosexuality, he points out that that map service actually became incorporated into NASA, and he says that he can imagine himself having worked as an astronomer at NASA, again, to quote him, for the remainder of my professional career. Then he sort of joked a little bit and said that he might have been an astronaut or one of the first men to be on the moon. And even though he's joking, it's, it's a bittersweet reflection, because what opportunities were denied to other people based on their their sexual preferences. And so in the 1950s, the Mattachine Society and the Daughters of Bilitis were part of what was called the homophile movement to stamp out sodomy laws and promote tolerance and understanding. But this was largely a literary movement. It wasn't a political effort. It was about printing for people to read. It was about putting ideas into literature, but not necessarily into practice because people weren't afforded those rights. And so, not until Stonewall, that pivotal turning point, did the movement become political and actually start to make progress
0: and become visible as well, which was one of the things that Harvey Milk really tried to do as the first openly gay man who was elected to any office of meaning, really. He said that visibility was the key, and there's a quote from him about never using the elevator at City Hall, always take the staircase, because it is a better, grander entrance. But when he was elected, a woman wrote to him and said, "'I thank God I have lived long enough to see my kind emerge from the shadows and join the human race.'" And he was very much involved with the Greenwich Village gay community as well. So it was, you know, seeing one of their own go to San Francisco and rise in the ranks. And even though there was a gay community in Greenwich Village,
1: many historians would argue that there was never a cohesive group no. of homosexuals until the Stonewall Riots. People were so downtrodden and so oppressed that they were, you know, they were of themselves themselves. You know, you had mentioned that there were a lot of suicide attempts, people of very bleak existences. But not until this turning point, and not really until Stonewall, where there was a almost a, a salon of like minds to come together and to find fellowship, did this change really emerge, and people became
0: a community with a voice exactly. and with a unified thought, and deciding to stop living double lives and maybe try for some more openness.
1: And so today if you look at some of the issues that the gay rights movement have yet to tackle we have things like uh, marriage retirement financial security and even elder care and there are many dissenting voices now speaking out against the president of the United States saying that they've they've been hoping for and they thought that they had been promised certain what we consider rights, but they would consider rights they're hoping to attain. And perhaps in their lifetime, they would see marriage legalized for...
0: The gay community was very much behind Obama in his election process. And I think some people are disappointed with maybe some of his promises not being kept thus far. And of course, the news changes on a daily basis. And
1: (laughs) perhaps by the time this podcast publishes, (laughs) this will all be old news but for the sake of not politicizing our content and presenting the facts it is a definite perspective that people out there should consider that the gay rights movement has come so far but many people feel that it's stalled right Mm -hmm. now. Exactly. It hasn't gone far enough. Exactly. But we were very happy to share this important uh, moment in history for all of you and for those of you who requested the topic. We thank you too. And for more background please visit the website at HowStuffWorks.com